right, that started me, God. Thank you so much. Let's just pray together. Would you stay standing? God, I just think of our last series we were in on Love Everyone Always. And I just think of all the challenges that we heard about loving, accepting, respecting, and forgiving people. And Lord, I pray that uh, even now the residual of that series is in us and we sing, let there be peace. And we say, let it begin in me, Jesus in us. I pray that you would give us strength to do the supernatural, to be people who bring peace into our world, into our relationships, into our conversations as we reflect you to our friends, our loved ones, and our neighbors. And Lord, Lord, I just want to take a moment now and pray for those who aren't feeling peace right here, watching online. Just pray that they know that there's a peace that is promised that passes all understanding, which means it goes beyond all circumstances. Pray that each one of us would know that today. We come to trust you in a new way, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. That'd be great. Love having you here today, and this is our second week of our Advent series, and we're focusing on that. You've heard us talk about it, and we've sung about it, and now I get to express it as we walk through. Today is the candle of peace, and uh, we're going to take some more steps in how we're actually unveiling this whole Advent series. So I'm just going to ask you right away, just grab your message notes, because we're going to jump right in. Just pull those out, and all the Bible verses I'll use will be here today. You may want to try to thumb through the Bible. You need your concordance probably to do that. We have a lot of verses we're going to look at today. Uh, and so it might help you just to use this, but if you want to have your Bible, love if you do that. Also, I'd love to give you a Bible. If you don't own one, if you'll stop at the bookshelves right out here, there's several Bibles on there, whole stacks of them, and you can take one. It'd be our gift to you. We'd love for you to have a Bible in your home uh, that you could read as well. So here we are in this series. We've called it Behold the King, as we're taking a look at the king who was born in a manger who impacted the entire world ever since he came over 2,000 years ago. And we started with that word, behold. And so I just want to talk a little bit about that. Specifically, I'll talk about that a lot on Christmas Eve, uh, this whole idea of beholding. But to behold means to see or observe something remarkable or impressive. So it's just awesome that I get to see this. You guys see the moon this morning? Pretty awesome. Some of you were up or got to see that, right? It was amazing to see that this morning. I was beholding that moon all the way here, texting Kim, saying, you got to go outside and look at this moon. It's just awesome. And so that's what the whole idea of behold is. All throughout the Bible, the word behold is used many different times as a way to draw attention to a spiritual truth or a revelation or a miraculous occurrence or a divine intervention. So the word behold would come, and then there'd be something that's remarkable that's about to follow that. Behold is a directive. It says, pay attention. Look this way. Turn turn your attention to this. This is important. Beholding is all about seeing. It's all about taking time to look and observe. And when we do that, what we're talking about is seeing Jesus as our king in this series. Behold him as our king. And then we're thinking about then what happens inside of us as we ponder who he is as the king. Now, our theme verse for the series comes from 2 Corinthians 3. And it says this, Paul is writing, and he says, talking about what happens when you come to know Jesus Christ... He says, we all, with unfailed face, beholding the glory of the Lord. 
beholding the glory of the Lord, that's what they've actually been able to see in Jesus, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Transformed in the same image means they're being transformed to be made like Jesus. For this comes from the Lord, He is who is the Holy Spirit. He's the one who does this transforming as we simply behold Jesus, as we observe him and look at him. So here's what Paul's saying. You want to write this down. It's the theme for this series. You become what you behold. You become what you behold. So during our Advent series, what we're going to do is we're going to behold Jesus. This was an entire time looking at him. And the promise here that Paul gave us is as we do that, he will transform us so that we thou bear his image into the world. And people see us, they see us, but then they're also seeing something different. They're experiencing something different in the spiritual realm. They're actually seeing Jesus as he comes through us, as we become like him. Now, the word Advent, which kind of help us a little bit about Advent. For some of you who aren't from that tradition, I just have to say I never observed Advent until three years ago uh, when our church started this Advent tradition. And I'm loving that we're doing this, but it means the coming or the arrival. And it was just often used to talk about the coming or the arrival of someone who was important. And so they would use it of a you know, dignitary or maybe uh, that someone was coming into town. They said the advent of that person. But in this case, it's used to denote the coming of Jesus into the world. Advent also comes with promises. So there's promises that are, comes with this whole idea, promises of a coming Messiah who would come and deliver God's people from their sin, from their oppressors, and from their purposeless lives. Last week, Pastor Mark did a great job of helping us understand the whole idea of Jesus as the king of promise. He was the Messiah who came for us. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to take kind of a a series in the middle of our series. So for the next three weeks, we're going to take a three-week study, and we're going to look at three offices or three roles that were held by individuals who were anointed and appointed by God to speak for him from the Old Testament. So these are Old Testament individuals. And then how Jesus came and he fulfilled all of those roles in him. Every one of those roles was fulfilled in him. So I just want to begin by saying this. We talk about Messiah. Messiah means the anointed one. Okay, so right away. Messiah, when when the word um, in Hebrew is 39 times in the Old Testament... 37 times it's translated as anointed. And it's talking about the anointed one, the the one who was anointed for a particular role. And when the early Christians were looking for a a word or looking for language, because truth is communicated through language, they wanted to clarify who Jesus was in the world. They chose a title for Jesus. The title was the Christ. The Christ. Jesus Christ. The Christ. It just heads up. Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. Just clear up the confusion there. It was a title given to him. In fact, the better way to say it would be Jesus the Christ, the anointed one. Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament promise of the Messiah, of the longing that the people had for the Messiah to come and set his people free. The anointed one had come and was appointed by God to come and set his people free. See, part of what is so wonderful to behold and understand is when we look at these Old Testament character roles that we're going to look at today, these three offices or these three positions that are in the Jewish faith, is that each one was anointed 
And each one was appointed by God to fulfill a certain role in the life of God's people. As you read through the Old Testament, you realize that all three titles or roles of the people who were anointed or set apart, they had been given a specific task. And the three roles, prophet, priest, and king. Prophet, priest, and king. And these were the three offices that God established for his people to bring his people to himself so that they could understand who he was and what he was doing. But there was something else going on. Have you guys ever noticed that oftentimes with God, there's something else going on than what you can see? That's exactly what was happening in the all through the Old Testament. So here's what we know, because we have perspective, right? We have history that we can look back on and we can see, so we have this whole idea of perspective. Each of these three offices or roles that were established in the Old Testament that God used to speak to his people through them, they had these appointed roles, they were pictures. They were types of something that was still to come. The whole idea is this, that Jesus would come and he would fulfill not just one, not two, but all three roles himself. That Jesus would come and he would be our prophet and he would be our priest and he would be our king. Anointed and appointed by God to a specific office for a clear purpose in this world. So Jesus, uh, John Calvin actually is the one that kind of made all this uh, more clear for us. Uh, part of the Reformation John Calvin was writing, and he talked about this whole idea of the Old Testament prophecies as he was seeing how Jesus fulfilled them, and this is what he said. Therefore, in order that faith may find a firm basis for salvation in Christ, the Christ, and thus rest in him, this principle must be laid down. The office enjoyed upon Christ by the Father consists of three parts, for he was given to be prophet, king, and priest." prophet, king, and priest. I just want to kind of define those today, and we're going to look at prophet today, priest next week, and king the following week, but I'm going to just define those so we can understand what it was that we were talking about. First is our prophet, and he is the revealer of God's truth. The prophet is the revealer of God's truth. That's why we call today the king of reality, because when we have truth, then we know reality. True reality is God sees it. He's the one who speaks for God, He's the one who defines reality. He communicates truth. He reveals God. So that's what the prophet does. Now, our priest. He's our priest, the redeemer of God's people. He's the redeemer of God's people. The priest is the one who builds a, sac a, a bridge through his sacrifice to bring people to God and therefore bring people, we're separated from God, bring people into relationship with God, and bring us into intimacy with him. That's the role of the priest. He's our representative before God. He died for us in order to bring us to God. He's our mediator. He's our advocate. So that's what a priest is. That's what Jesus did. And then he's also your king. As our king, he's the ruler of God's world. He's the ruler of God's world. He's the supreme authority in our lives. You ever wonder why you're you know, struggling in life? Many times the struggles in life come because you've not allowed Jesus to be your king. You've not allowed him to call the shots in your life in every area of life, because that's what a king does in every area of life. He commands us on how to live. He shows us and guides us. He's the one who delivers us from fear, and he brings us into life in the kingdom of God, and he gives us security. 
So those are the three offices. Those are the three roles that were, brought, were in the Old Testament that then Jesus fulfilled in the New Testament. And so today what we want to do is we just want to take some time and look at what it means that Jesus is your prophet. Jesus is our prophet. See, Moses was the original prophet, right? Moses was the original one. He was called. He was appointed by God. God came to him in the wilderness, and he called him to go speak for him to not just his people, but to the Pharaoh in Egypt. So Moses is the original prophet. He's revered as a great prophet. He wrote the Pentateuch, which is the first five chapters of the Bible. Moses wrote all of those. And this is what, Moses, uh, what, what God spoke to Moses, and then Moses verbalized about one who would come who was greater than Moses, actually, greater than him. As wonderful as Moses was, he was human, and therefore he was limited and flawed, right? You read, you read the stories of Moses, you're going to find times when his humanity comes through. His anger came through, and he had limits, and he was flawed because he was human. So looking forward to the coming Messiah, God says to, and I'll say this through Moses, the verses that were read just a while ago, by Kyle and Kathy. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will raise up a prophet like you, so similar to you, from among the fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth, just like I'm putting my words in your mouth, Moses. I'm going to put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command them. He will tell them everything I command them. So then Jesus comes. Jesus was born. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus was resurrected. Jesus ascended to be with the Father. Pentecost happened. Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples, upon the followers of Jesus. A great movement began. And Peter then is delivering a sermon. And in that sermon, he's talking to those. He basically says this. Hey, guys, Jews, you just killed the promised Messiah. You just killed the promised Messiah. The one you've devoted your entire lives to looking for, you just killed him. And this is what he says. Acts 3, he says this, the Lord your God will raise up for you, he's quoting Moses now, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet for you, a prophet like me from among your own people. And then he says this, listen carefully to everything he tells you. Would you underline that? Listen carefully. Listen carefully to everything this prophet tells you. And now notice it also comes with a warning. It comes with a warning. Then Moses said, Anyone who will not listen to that prophet. Moses doesn't say anyone who will not listen to me. He says anyone who will not listen to that prophet. And he's talking about Jesus. Anyone who will not listen to Jesus will be completely cut off from God's people. A word of strong warning, but it's also a word of strong invitation. As he says, come and listen to the one that has come to speak for me. So there's another time when God actually directed the people to listen to his son as prophet. And the other time was an occasion where Jesus went with three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. And he went up on a place to pray. And as they were praying, there was this amazing occurrence, a miraculous occurrence happened, and that Jesus was transfigured. And at the same time as he was transfigured, two of the revered prophets appeared right there on the mountain with them, Moses and Elijah. 
And so they have Moses and Elijah, and then they have Jesus who's been transfigured here, and Peter's there, and he's just all in awe, and he's overwhelmed about what God has done and shown them at that moment that God is, he's showing them that Jesus is the, is the coming prophet. And this is what he says. Peter has a way of just saying what he feels, right? He exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. And I would say that's an understatement. Like he was just probably shaking and he was jumping up and down. He didn't know what to say. If you want, Lord, this is what I'd like to do. I'll make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from heaven spoke. This is just like what happened when Jesus was baptized, folks. A voice from heaven spoke and said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. Would you underline that again? Listen to him. The whole idea today is that you and I be willing to listen to Jesus, to behold him and observe him. Jesus is the prophet sent to reveal God to us. So just a heads up, that word prophet, it's a Hebrew word, and it has pro at the beginning, which means before, and fami, which means to speak. So it's someone who goes before to speak. And so that's what a prophet does, speaks for someone else. So a prophet is a mouthpiece who speaks for someone else. And that's what a, a prophet was. So if you haven't turned your notes over, heard several of you already do that, you're thinking you're going to hurry me up, it's never going to happen. <laughs> but if you haven't turned them over, you can do it now, okay? <laughs> and I want to give you three revelations that Jesus came to bring. Three revelations. And I'm going to show you how Jesus fulfilled the role of the Old Testament prophet, priest, and king, and as they were anointed and appointed by God, and yet he did it perfectly. Because if you, if you read the Old Testament, you're going to find out that these prophet, priests, and king, they were not perfect, were they? They were flawed. They were humans. But Jesus fulfilled these roles, roles perfectly. So first of all, I want to share this. As our prophet, Jesus came to reveal God's nature or character. He came to reveal God's nature or character. So I'm going to kind of set the scene here, and then we're going to read some verses. Set the scene a little bit. So we're going to read some verses, and these verses are in the middle of an interaction that God is having with Moses. Moses went up on the mountain. If you know the story, he went up on the mountain in Exodus, and he received the Ten Commandments. He comes down, and he gives them, and he sees the people that they've made a golden calf and that they're worshiping it, and Moses gets mad, and he breaks all 10 commandments. All 10, all at once. God then calls Moses back up to the mountain. This is what I love about God's redemptive heart. He calls Moses back up to the mountain to come to him alone, and he tells Moses this. He says, I'm going to show you my glory. See, when Jesus came, he showed us God's glory. But at this point, in order for someone to be able to have an encounter with God, it had to be God revealing himself in a specific way. And he says, I'm going to show you my glory. I'm going to reveal myself to you. I'm going to reveal my character to you. And this is what he says in Exodus 34. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh the Lord. So he announced his own name. The God of compassion and mercy. And then this is how he describes himself. This is God speaking to you. I'm slow to anger, and I'm filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. 
I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. Here's Moses, and he just broke into Ten Commandments. And there's no anger from God. There's just love, connection, and forgiveness. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. In that statement, he set up the sacrificial system whereby Jesus would be the fulfillment and he would come to make it possible for the guilty to be excused and the guilty to be cleansed. So God's saying to these people, I just think this is crazy in a way. I just love God's heart because he's saying, Moses had come down. He had the Ten Commandments. God had spoken and God's people, instead of him coming down and finding them worshiping God, Praying that Moses would come back with the word, he found them worshiping a golden cow, a golden calf. And then he says to them, I'm slow to anger. I'm filled with unfailing love. This is who I am. And the role of the prophet is to reveal that God, that God. And then Jesus comes. And then this is what Jesus says about himself as he's fulfilling that role. He says this, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. What have they seen? Slow to anger, full of unfailing love, the nature and character. And then he says this, so why are you asking me to show him to you? Just look at me. Behold me. Don't you believe that I am the, in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me and does his work through me. So what Jesus was saying is that if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. And if you've seen me, then you know the nature and the character of the Father by observing me. I am a perfect representation of God. Perfect representation. I'm not speaking on my own behalf. I reveal God and I reveal his nature. So folks, you can know God by looking at Jesus. That's why I love the series. Because the series is calling each one of us to look and behold him, to observe him, to see him. So we ask, does, God's God, does God love me? Look at Jesus. We ask, how does God respond to my brokenness? Well, look at Jesus and how he responded to brokenness. We ask, how does God respond to my guilt and shame? Well, look at Jesus. He removes my guilt and shame through what he did for me on the cross. We ask, how does God respond to my failures? Well, look at Jesus and how he responded to people's failures. We ask, how does God respond to my worry? Well, look at Jesus as he talks about worry. Specifically, just go to Matthew 6. As he talks about worry. We ask, how does God respond to my longings, the desires of my heart? Well, look at Jesus as he talks about God's purpose and his will. Every question we have about God is answered in Jesus every question. And that's why it's so important, folks, for us to behold him. He reveals God's character and nature to us. Second thing is this. As our prophet, Jesus came to reveal God's word. He came to not only show God, but to speak for God. Second Peter talks about Peter's writing, and he's talking about the Old Testament prophets and how they spoke for God. And he says this, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. So he's saying that every time that the prophet was declaring 
thus saith the Lord, that that wasn't coming from the prophet and his ability to, to discern what God wanted, but it was literally coming from God himself. It wasn't coming from the prophet wanting things to change, seeing how things were and wanting to change the way things were happening. It wasn't coming from his own initiative. And it says this, no, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit. Would you underline that? Moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. Hebrews says that the word of God is God-breathed. Holy Spirit breathed the words that he spoke to us. Now, this is what it says about Jesus, Hebrews 1. By the way, Hebrews 1, this is where I'll be on Christmas Eve as well. I'm just so looking forward to being able to unpack Hebrews 1, first four verses for you for Christmas Eve. Long ago, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. So the prophets, he said, the prophets have spoken. And now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. So he said, prophets spoke, and he's saying, now we need to... Pay attention to the words of Jesus because he wasn't speaking from his own initiative. He was speaking God's words to us. So Jesus is the ultimate prophet. He speaks for God. He spoke to a God, and he still speaks to us, by the way. And when he speaks, he speaks life right into us. He speaks his life. When he speaks, he speaks beauty for us, draws us to the beauty of who he is and what he's saying. When he speaks... Healing is brought into being when he speaks. His voice is the most powerful and significant voice we can listen to. He is our prophet who speaks for God. And then lastly, last idea we'll share this morning is this. As our prophet, Jesus came to reveal God's will. He came to reveal God's will, to show us God's way, to show us God's plan. He can't, the prophets would show what God is doing, and they can say, here's what you can expect. They say, here's what God is doing. Usually they say, and here's what you're not doing, and here's what you can expect. That was the Old Testament prophets. They would show that very clearly. Here's what you can expect from him, and here's how he wants you to live. One of the prophets, Amos, he wrote this in Amos 3.7, says this. The sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. Yes, God said that. God said that but he doesn't do anything. So he doesn't do anything until his prophets have spoken it because he's given them the message. And we can trust that when the prophets speak, that what God said is true and it's for us, it's for our best, it's for our benefit. So I mentioned Jesus' baptism a while ago. After Jesus was baptized, after God spoke over him at that moment, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It was right after that that the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. And as Jesus went into the wilderness, he was tempted for 40 days. And at the end of that temptation, as he's come out of the wilderness again, he now makes his way, after he's been hearing from God, he makes his way back to his hometown of Nazareth. And he comes in to the synagogue, and they roll out, they hand him the, the scroll of Isaiah, and he rolls out the scroll of Isaiah until he comes to Isaiah 61. Pastor Mark referred to this last week, Isaiah 61, which is a prophecy of the coming Messiah and who he would be. 
And then Jesus says this. He says, the Spirit of the Lord, he's reading this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Then the scripture says that he rolled it back up, he handed it to the attendant, and then it says this. It says, in the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. They were beholding the king. They were fixed on Jesus at that moment. And then Jesus said this, today, this scripture, this promise that you've been holding on to, it has been fulfilled in your hearing. You have heard the prophecy. And I'm speaking as God's representative now, as God's anointed and appointed one. I'm saying it's been fulfilled now in your hearing. Jesus spoke for God and said the promise that was spoken had been fulfilled from him. So this is God's plan. This is God's will. This is God's purpose. This is why he came. I just want to read it again. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Folks, that's what Jesus came to bring. That's what Jesus as our prophet came to do. This is God's prophetic word to you and me. Jesus would call out to every one of us today, to our world, and he would say, come to me, I will heal your brokenness. Come to me, and I will give you myself. You can know me. Come to me, and I will renew your spirit. Come to me, and you will find that my burden is light. Come to me, and I will restore the days that the locust has eaten. Come to me, and I will give you all that I am. Come to me, and experience God's favor pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. Come to me. What a great, great invitation. One of the books that I picked up about this whole idea of prophet, priest, and king was written by Andrew Murray, old, old uh, pastor. And in it, he said that the work of the prophet, I'm just going to, I'm just, this is a quote right from the book. He said, the work of the prophet is to convince of sin and to reveal the spiritual truth of God. And this is the line that just so, so moved me. The last line is this. But above all, it is his work to awaken a holy expectancy. I read that on Monday. That changed my entire week. Because now I'm walking around with a holy expectancy. What is God going to do? So I got up this morning, and as I shared earlier, you know, I walked out to the car. One, I love the fact that it rained last night. It just made me so happy. And uh, you know, so I go out this morning, and I saw a star. I thought, oh, there's a star. So it's cleared off. And then I get in my car, and I go around the corner. And where I live, you can't quite see the west very well until I got out to the main street. And as I saw the, got to the main street, I'm like, oh, my word, look at that moon. Look at that moon. So I had my phone and 
There's no one on the roads in the morning this early, so I could text. <laughs> and I texted McCam at home, and I said, you've got to go out and see the moon. You've got to see the moon. And I, what, I, what that moved me so much with this is this high idea of holy expectancy. It was just gorgeous. There were clouds in the horizon, and it was in and out, and it was just beautiful. But what I felt at that moment, because Hebrews goes on to say, Hebrews 1 goes on to say that Jesus is the creator. John 1 said that Jesus created and that Jesus created that moon. And that moon was made by him. And that moon was put in place by him. And that moon represents God's movement in our lives, what he wants to do. It represents God's beauty. It represents God's consistency. It represents all that God has promised. And as I saw that, I was just awakened. I mean, it's 6 o'clock in the morning, and I just popped awake. And I'm like, I have a great expectancy for this day. Because God has shown me himself. He's shown me himself in that moon. So what I want to do is I'm going to end with an action step for all of us. And so uh, this is kind of the so what of today. And so it goes like this. I'm just going to do the first two blanks, and then I'm going to come back and do the third one. I must receive, so that means if I'm going to hear from him, I must have a posture where I open my ears, I take down the barriers that are keeping me from here, and I must put myself in a place where I, I receive this word, I receive his word to me, so I have to first I receive it, and then I have to respond to it. So I receive the revelation, and then I respond to the revelation. So that's what he's asking us to do. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Kimberly and I read a book this fall. This, um, it's rocked our hearts, this book has. Uh, it's called The Heavenly Man. It was actually given to me two years ago by a man, and he had to, wrote a wonderful inscription in it and about how he read this book and how it made him cry as he read the book, and it was all about God's work through this man named Brother Yoon. And the book is all about the house church movement in China, in the 1980s through 2001, the house church, the, the Christian church, was extremely oppressed and persecuted by the Chinese government during this time. He was a pastor, and he was a pastor that didn't back down. He went to prison several times. If you've ever read the book Unbroken and your stomach was turned by uh, the torture that this man went through, uh, and the story unbroken. Well, this is unbroken, but if you just, it's, the guy has faith all through the story. So it's about how he responds to his torture as a follower of Jesus and a pastor. And he said this quote, it just jumped out at me. He says, if you truly want to see God move, so if you, if you, you and I, and I want this, if you want to see God move, the two main things you must do, first, learn the word of God. That's receive it. So I'm, I'm learning the word of God. I'm putting myself in a posture to receive it. And then he said this. He says, and have the obedience to do what God tells you to do. That's respond. And I love the challenge that he gave. Because I, if you, if, I just encourage you to buy this book. It's called The Heavenly Man. 
And you just read his story, and you realize that as he goes through his life, and it's not in our bookstore, by the way, so I'll just save you a trip. And so um, as, he, as he talks, it's all about he didn't have a Bible many times, but because he had memorized the Bible, he had a Bible every time he was in prison. He had God's word when he was there. And then I'm going to tell you this last word because it's really the last action step. You're going to think I'm going to say, go do a bunch of things for Jesus, but I'm not. I'm going to say, rest. Rest in him. Rest in the reality of his kingdom. I'm just so excited about in January, we're going to do a series called Flow, and it's all, all about resting in the currents of grace, resting in him. But here's what Brother Yoon said. He said, the first time I went to prison, I struggled wondering why God had allowed it. As you can imagine, you know, he's a pastor and he's put in prison. He's wondering why God had allowed him to go to prison. Slowly, I began to understand that he had a deeper purpose for me than just working for him. You just need to just listen to that. So many times we think that it's just we get so burned out in working for God, doing what God wants. And what he's saying here is that God has a greater purpose than you and I just working for him. He wanted this. He wanted to know me and for me to know him deeply and intimately. He knew the best way to get my attention was to give me rest behind bars. That was his quote. And I just want you to know today, folks, that what God's asking us to do is he's asking us to receive the words that Jesus spoke to respond to the commands that Jesus gave and to rest in his grace and let him carry us. Let him carry us on. Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you so much for speaking through your son, Jesus. First, I thank you for speaking through the prophets and that we can have their words and we can see how you worked in the Old Testament and who you were. And then we see Jesus come and he, spoke, he showed us who you were. He showed us your nature and character. He spoke your words and he showed us grace. Grace. We get to experience grace. And so I pray that you would help each of us to, to learn to rest in him. Lord, I just want to pray now for the, the person here, the people here, that they've never experienced Jesus. Never said yes to him. Never been in a place where they would be willing to say, I want Jesus. If you want to, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. You can pray with me. Just, Jesus, as much as I understand this today, I want to receive you. I want to receive your words. Your word says that I'm a sinner, that I've sinned. I admit that, Jesus. Your word says that you died for me, that I would be cleansed from, your sin, from my sin, and I want to receive that cleansing. And then your word calls me to follow you. And now, Jesus, I want to follow you with everything I have and everything I am. Help me to learn the balance of resting in grace, trusting in you. And God, I pray now that as we leave today, that for every one of us, that we would have had an experience with Jesus today that might transform our entire holiday celebration, bring us to a place where we can walk through the chaos and the tumult and all that's going on in this season with the presence of Jesus filling us. 
so that others notice and recognize that. It's in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen.